for me, you know, having been in and around this and seen a lot, um, the people make all the difference. You know, you can take, frankly, you know, maybe an average product, um, but with a fantastic team, they can sell the heck out of it, figure out how to position it, you know, and you know, how many tech stories do we know of where not necessarily the best tech or product wins, unfortunately, um, you know, there was a failure to launch for whatever reason, and it's people making those decisions. Hello, 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 and uh, I'm excited today because we have the uh, Maria Pacella uh, joining us. Maria, before we get into the details, let me just set this up if you please. Uh, Maria Pacella is the Senior VP and Managing Partner at, part, at Pender Ventures and has over 20 years of investing in operational experience in emerging growth companies with a focus on technology businesses. She spent 11 years with one of Canada's largest venture capital firms where she invested in multiple early stage ventures and served on a variety of boards in the areas of enterprise software and health tech. Along the way, she has worked at two startups assisting with the operational activities and strategic and initiatives. Prior to that, Maria worked in M&A for Deutsche Bank. Maria, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Chris. Oh, it's 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 truly it's truly my 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 pleasure and privilege. Um, we'll tell you what, Pender Ventures, you know, you're a founder. Can you just tell me maybe the the, the creation story or the the why um, and the and the how? Uh, can you just start with that maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, uh, I think it's a great story um, and really harkens back to um, about almost five, five years ago or so. Um, I found myself uh, working at a great startup here locally called Terramera. Um, and, well. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And, uh, you know, helping them with their really first institutional round um, and, you know, kind of hiring myself out of a, a job um, as they really needed to sort of scale up the team. Um, and also realizing, you know, as more of a generalist, I really uh, loved the investing side of the world. Um, I had met uh, Dave Barr, who's the CEO um, of uh, Pender, uh, through the CFA Society. We, we served on the board together, and, and we bonded over a number of, uh, uh, of things. And, um, you know, the, the roots of Pender itself were venture back in 2003, when venture was a very different thing, for sure, mm -hmm. in BC. Um, and we were peers of the same vintage, I like to say. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Dave was looking to build back up the private side of Pender. As their main focus today, our main focus across the public-private side is technology businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so he asked me to join. Um, we talked about doing a fund together. Uh, and so we, it was a bit of a restart um, or startup within Pender. Um, a very different structured fund. I had to uh, go and find investors um, with the help of uh, the team at Pender. We have uh, great folks on the, the marketing and sales side that helped me out. But then I also had to you know, build, build a team, which is the number one thing uh, in a startup, no matter what sector you're in. Um, I managed to recruit um, a fabulous person from the existing Pender public equity team. Uh, I drew him away to the dark side um, of private tech investing. So that's Kendall McCardle. Mm -hmm. um, and Kendall's story is fabulous. He um, was a professional NHL hockey player 
Wow. Um, yeah, turned into this. Uh, you know, that's that's quite the goal. That's that's impressive. That's impressive. Goal. Yeah, and he was doing you know the CFA charter in between games. Um, that didn't scare him away, and he still. Uh, when I joined, he uh, kind of made the pitch and uh, and, and worked hard because um, his love of just understanding businesses and technology and how they work um, just made the, for the great ingredients of a team player. Uh, along with his hockey um, experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, was fortunate last year to uh, attract a founder tech, a tech founder um, up from the US. Um, she's actually originally a Canuck uh, from Vancouver Island, which is where I'm from. Um, and uh, she worked at uh, Crystal Decisions Business Objects, so really a data uh, expert, um, moved down to work at Microsoft and ran one of the major um, areas of, uh, of one of the major product lines um, in the area of product management, product marketing for many years, and then um, joined a venture firm there, um, and then uh, started her own data privacy company about four years ago, um, and then exited it um, just as the pandemic was happening, um, and she lived in Seattle and decided that that was time to come home. And um, we were very fortunate to have um, her join us. So as you can see, I, I intentionally went out to attract people from, with very different experiences. Um, mm -hmm. And we think all of that complements sort of um, our various skill sets and leads to some great conversations and debates and looking at things from different perspectives. Um, oh, definitely. Ultimately, hopefully better investment decisions. So. Well, very nice, very nice. Well, I mean, I looked at I looked at some of the the the, the great names uh, in your fund, you know, from General Fusion to D Wave to Tantalus to Jane, which which is a company I, I'm actually really really high on. Um, and you know, Copperleaf. It's hard to do any event and not see someone from Copperleaf at, at one of those events. Um, in Clarius, um, what's what's when when and, and some of these were were older placements. I know that with it, with, I guess with an older fund because uh, I know with that with 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 uh, D Wave because um, I saw it was. A, well, Rolf Deckler, I'm placing the name wrong. I remember meeting him, and maybe, maybe I, I tried to message. I remember meeting him in like 1999, I think it was, um, when he was um, doing something with the MBA program, and, and and we're doing our first startup, and he was talking about something in the you know in the in the, the very future of computer science, and you know um, you know the full. And I remember hearing like this is this is the early days of D Wave. You know, he didn't go into obviously any details, but it's like there's this great company in Vancouver that whatever. And I to this day, I'm always like. What a great find! So the fact that you even have, you know, the D Wave and the General Fusion, I mean, what the, what uh, what they're trying to do, um, I think that's great. Well, so so Pender, how how old did you say it is again? The fund, the the the, the Pender Ventures fund. Pender Ventures, uh, twenty eighteen um, was twenty eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, what was what was the first um, first company that you uh, put a placement in uh, with with that fund? So Clarius Mobile Health. Um, Clarius. Yeah. The ultrasound uh, scanner uh, solution. They're, they're doing which, cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this past year, if anything, has shown us the importance of having great medical technology, you know, out there, portable, wireless. Mm -hmm. You know, ironically, what was uh, the attribute or feature that made them tough to deploy in hospitals? Actually, being wireless was a hurdle before in hospitals mm. due to security yep. issues and you know you can also just pick it up and walk away with it i guess mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. was actually the benefit during covid because in fact mm. you know a lot of the contaminations um that we see in hospitals are from the wires um mm. and uh very important note you should definitely um, be, be careful of the wires in hospitals um, <laughs> i did not know and, that <laughs> uh, 
And then also, you know, you can triage, you know, COVID patients for lung for pneumonia detection, you know, and, and scan their lungs. And you can set up triage anywhere in the hospital. So what, you know, was maybe uh, not a great feature proved to be their winning feature last year and they got deployed in hospitals. So it's fantastic. Great. Yeah, I was looking, you know, prior to our discussion, I was looking on, you know, the about us um, about them. And I was, I was super impressed, not just, you know, about the founding team, but also the, 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 the team that's behind it that sits on the board of directors. I mean, I think the secretary of the, the, the US Army is one of the fellows and, uh, um, Man, that's impressive. I got to say, that is a product that you know, um, and it, it's 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 roots are in Canada of this company. It's in Burnaby, so in Burnaby, uh, uh, great staff of over sixty people now, um, and and actually all of the components, uh, you know, while they come from all parts of the world, it's all assembled mm-hmm. right here in Burnaby. Love um, it. And so, yeah, it's a great story. And this is Laurent's second company. You know, his first mm-hmm. company was also an ultrasound company built right here. Um, in Canada, so uh, but deployed uh, obviously worldwide. Well, what a great story! Now, so when you, when you when you're thinking about putting placements, do you how, how's the process? Do you do you have people come to you? Do you go to them? Is there is there some sort of network that you have? What like what's what's the what what do you find is the least frictioned way of finding a company that you're interested in? Uh, um, you know, backing. Yeah, they, so they come at us uh, in all sorts of fashions. It's so it's both in short. Um, I guess this is one of the the lucky things of having been um, a VC a long time, have been through, you know, I basically started, the um, I left investment banking and went to the first startup in 2000. So I guess I've been in and around the industry for over 20 years now. Um, so I, the network is the most important source of deal flow. And that network is you know, folks you've worked with before, whether it's a lawyer, um, a, a co-investors, other, you know, entrepreneurs, the, you know, when some of the best referrals are other entrepreneurs, if they've worked with you, like to work with you, um, that's a great referral on both sides, right? So entrepreneurs can be very picky about who they partner with as well. Um, and we like that when that's important to them. Um, and, and also we have a group um, of venture partners. So these are advisors to us. They are former entrepreneurs, C-level folks in the tech industry themselves, um, angel investors, et cetera. So they're out there talking to companies every day. And so all of, the, all of this network provides a great filter for us. So being that filter, it helps with that friction. So they kind of match, is this the right fit? Does it sort of meet our investment thesis? Is it a good personality fit? Can we help the companies? Um, and uh, so both ways, it's, it helps with that friction process. Well, I, I really liked how you focused on the personality fit, because, you know, one thing that I always say is you invest in the team first and the product second. And and, and that's just my own philosophy, um, because, you know, if you meet the right people, especially ones who've done this multiple times, you know that they're going to be successful, not just through tenaciousness, but also through network and all of those things. But do you have it like a, a, a scorecard, let's just say, you know, that this is product, this is person, this is time, you know, because you always have to have that fit. Is there is there a certain scorecard that you have that, you know, creates a... a this is something we want to do. Yeah, and it's it's somewhat similar. So people product market, um, mm-hmm. put simply. And for me, um, and we just actually had this debate um, on our own investment seminar last week between the team. So mm-hmm. for me, it's people. Um, yeah. And for Christina, it's market. So um, mm. yeah, yeah. So serves for some good discussion. So for me, you know, having been in and around this and seen a lot, um, the people make all the difference. 
you know, you can take, frankly, you know, maybe an average product, um, but with a fantastic team, they can sell the heck out of it, figure out how to position it, you know, and, you know, how many tech stories do we know of where not necessarily the best tech or product wins, unfortunately, um, you know, there was a failure to launch for whatever reason, and it's people making those decisions. Mm, mm. Well, uh, what, what do you look for in a, in a founder then? Is there, is there a certain, is there a certain, you know, je ne sais quoi, um, you know, some, something about the founder that you look for that you, when you're, when you're scoring them or, or, or looking at that, or is it just, is it, is it, you know, how, how they've done in the past? Um, any, any of these sort of things? Yeah, a combination? Well, <laughs> yeah, a combination for sure. Mm. And it's, it's a few things. Um, it's really having a combination of humility and confidence, you know, the humility part means yeah. they are willing to, uh, you know, consider other opinions, other perspectives, uh, you know, have the ability to pivot. If they discover something's not working, they kind of won't, you know, go down in flames uh, on, you know, some uh, philosophical uh, point. Um, but yet they have to have confidence, you know, be able to make the decisions, get behind their ideas, get passionate about their ideas. So that passion and drive is key, that tenacity. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I, there was a, a question someone asked me the other day, like, how, how was the last year for startups? And I'm like, well, actually, pandemic-like years in the early years for startups is actually normal. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many things that can happen, challenges. Um, so, so important um, to have tenacity and mm -hmm. not give up too soon. Um, things can take longer, uh, you know, th that happens. And I would say in terms of the past, it's actually good, in my view, if they've had at least one failure um, in, at something. Completely. Um, and, 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 you know, something de demonstrable that they've learned from it. Because, um, of course, you don't all want to be keep, keep making the same mistakes. I've seen that as well. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Well, is there, any, is there any red flags that you look for? Uh, that you just know, yeah, great idea, great market, but this is just a red flag. This is just, you know, I, I just can't do it. Yeah, um, it's funny. Uh, long ago, there was a VC who told me that they based it on their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? Tell me why they yeah. based it on their shoes. <laughs> and they're done. <laughs> but no, uh, no not, not, nothing that obvious. Um, <laughs> um, for me, it's actually um, how they treat their own team and their employees. Mm. Um, that, you know, again, goes to a lot of the attributes, you know, um, before, uh, that I mentioned before, you know, if, uh, they allow, um, other inputs, um, you know, startups are rarely purely successful due to one person. It does require a team, a village. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, they how they treat their employees, you know, how will they treat their customers then? Right. Mm -hmm. it, all of this is a big sort of, um, uh, indicator uh, of a lot of things if they don't treat their team very well. Um, and then sort of, the, I don't have a high tolerance. You know, I started my career in investment banking. Maybe I have some PTSD still, but just <laughs> high levels of arrogance are just really, you know, unacceptable. Completely. You know, Completely. and often is actually a sign of insecurity uh, actually at the end of the day. And therefore that all, that combination leads to poor decision-making. Um, and that really worries me. Certainly adds to a lot of risk. So 
kind of those. Oh, I, you, you know, it's 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 really interesting because what what you just touched on as as a, as a red flag is exactly what I lived through my first startup. And, and you know what you say you need to have failure because you do need to have failure to learn from it. Because first thing I learned with is I am only going to work with people that I that I, that I love and trust. You know, I got my brother, I got Josephine. I mean, these are people that are like, you know, I I I can I can trust them completely. But I remember we had um, I mean, this is during the dot com years, and unfortunately, you know, at the at the end of the dot com years, it was hard to raise another round. But we had a really really cool tech, um, and I remember being in about um, at this point definitely a breakdown in terms of the executive team of what you know what was happening with things. But I remember being in the VC um, office of was it Gorilla Park in London. They wanted uh, we had this really really cool tech that we we're doing for the ski mountains that basically you know pre social media pre instant messaging pre all of that. It you know if you bought a ticket, it actually in the kiosk would say hey. Um, did you know your friends are also here and you can leave a message for them and then you could actually get the message. It was a cool idea. And they wanted to put that in the soccer pitches, but they could clearly see that as we're giving our pitch, I really just wanted to, you know, I'll, I'll be put the cards on the table. I wanted to punch the guy across the, the hall from me for some of the stuff he was doing. And as much as they wanted us, I didn't want to continue. And I think they sniff it out. Like you must feel that as much as you want that a good idea. You fly them to, you know, you fly them to, to Europe, the whole bit to talk about. And yeah. then, that's the presence, right? Uh, do, do, yeah. you, do you have any of those situations where you just realize, wow, that's toxic? <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's, you know, yeah, there's been lots of those situations, sadly, uh, where on paper, it's looked like a very, very different, you know, opportunity. Uh, maybe you've even had a Zoom meeting, but in that in person, it is just not that chemistry. And mm -hmm. vice versa, like, as you said, as a founder entrepreneur, you made that decision about your investor. Um, and I know some entrepreneurs, it is, you know, how do I feel with the, with them in a room, right? Do I feel like uh, I could spend lots of time with them? Do I feel like there's a mutual respect? Um, this is the entrepreneur investor relationship is actually tougher than a marriage, right? And oh, it's bet. tougher to get out of, in fact. Than a marriage. <laughs> so um, you have to have, you have to have this feeling that they have your back. And it mm -hmm. you know, goes both ways. Yep, um, yep. This is very easy to get along during the good times. And let's face it, it's been really good times for tech for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's how are people going to behave when you know the chips are down? Um, and that is a really good sign, I think, mm. um, of an investor who will just get in the trenches with you and figure it out. Um, and and you know, uh, I think that's really important. For sure. Well, I find it, I find it really interesting that you said, you know, you need to be with the person like zoom is almost a false flag. Like it's, it's one of those, because I've been, I listen to a lot of VC podcasts and they're all like, Oh, this pandemic is wonderful. I can see 20 people a day instead of the typical two with meetings. And I I'm just thinking, well, do you really like, do you, you get, you get the surface, like you don't get the real, the meat. Um, have you found that you've been able to, you know, with, 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 with COVID with the, the, the need to be remote, you know, at least get more deal flow, but you still need, do you still need to have that personal, you know, touch in order to really feel like this is something you want to be part of? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's been hard. And certainly the first investment we made right after last March uh, was a, a company we already knew had, and had met the, the folks before. And in fact, a lot of our companies, our preference is to actually get to know companies well before we would invest, before they mm -hmm. maybe even need capital, you know, earlier stage, and we're happy to help them you know, along the way. And this is actually kind of the dating process, if you will, mm -hmm. um, beneficial uh, on both sides. Um, but 
I guess the next, uh, we're about to do a bang out, maybe even up to five investments pretty quickly or three um, wow. pretty quickly. And um, we've only met a couple of them in person uh, mm-hmm. and one's not located here. They're in Ontario. So um, it's, it's been harder. Mm. Um, what's made it easier is we know some of the existing folks around it on the board or other investors. So that mm-hmm. gives us some comfort, but sure. it's not the same, you know, mm. um, I think making the investment, we'll figure it out. You know, we're figuring it out on zoom, but for us, the real work begins after we make the investment and that, at that, I think the in-person will never be fully um, replaced. There's so much value in um, that yeah, in-person interaction um, that's very intangible. Hello, Aaron. Hey, Chris. Do you know how I love to start off every day? No, I don't. Well, let me tell you. It is via the Vancouver Tech Journal's daily newsletter that is sent out to me to tell me all the top stories about the exciting happenings here in Vancouver, across Canada, in terms of business and technology. Uh, It covers all the podcasts, it covers all the blogs, and it covers all the people and personalities. And William and team have an inside track to knowing all the top stories. Um, And it comes to me, which is so nice, I don't have to go to it. (laughs) Yeah, I just went to their website, vantechjournal.com, and all you have to do is put your email in and click a button, and I'm all set up. I'm ready to to receive all the wonderful news that they have to offer. Simple dimple. And I'll tell you, this is not an ad. Is this an ad? No, it's not an ad. This is not a paid ad. This is something we do because we honestly love what William and his crew are doing, and we just thought everyone should be aware of that. For sure. So make sure to check it out, vantechjournal.com, and you can check out all their socials as well at Vancouver Tech Journal. Well, I, I loved how you said that again. So, so like younger companies, they think, hey, I get the round of investment and I'm going to succeed, right? Which is, you know, that's just a first stage to many stages or whatever. But do you have to explain to them like, hey, this is a marriage and I'm in the, the capital is part of it. But, you know, the direction I'm going to help you with the doors that I might open up, you know, that is also part of it. Do you, do you ever get pushback going, eh, I don't need that? Or, or, or I guess that might be a, a flag for you that this is someone we don't want to invest in then. Uh, yeah. have, you, have you had that? Absolutely. And, and you're exactly right. If that's their response, then, you know, it's not a match. Um, so they mm. made our jobs kind of easier on the diligence that's side. Good. Right? That's so, good. Um, and, and you know what we're finding, you know, because there is so much capital uh, in the private world, you know, great entrepreneurs um, are being picky about who they uh, get mm-hmm. their money from and they care. So they actually wouldn't want our money or someone else's money if there wasn't some value we can bring. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you know our now our our experience in health um, health tech, that's you know a valuable attribute uh, that oh, we yeah. can now bring, whether it's experience uh, on business models, a network, what have you. So um, you know it very quickly actually becomes a nice filtering mechanism for us. For sure. Now, do you have, do you have a certain um, rule that you have that you know a certain. Uh, v- placement or number I, I want a board seat like do you do you require a board seat with a certain threshold um not really it's not quite so cut and dry I would say mm-hmm. we prefer yeah I mean we would like a board seat or observer seat you know I don't think that matters you can be as active really the work that you do happens outside of the board meetings anyways obviously critical mm-hmm. decisions can be made and discussions are had at board meetings uh, but it's all the other stuff that matters um and so generally speaking, because we're active investors and even with maybe smaller checks, we do, you know, we'd like a seat at the table and we mm-hmm. think that's important to have a say. Um, we also think it's kind of important part of ensuring that 
um, uh, you know, the board gets built out accordingly to the stage of the company. We can help with that. Um, but there is that sounding board um, somewhere, uh, you know, within the board. So we we definitely prefer um, mm -hmm. a board seat, but it's not a hard and fast rule. Sure. And what, what stages are you of companies are you typically looking at? Yeah, so as the, the title of our fund um, says, um, although we should never need help naming funds, <laughs> uh, it's called the Pender Tech and Inflection Fund. So mm -hmm. um, so inflection stage is really what that is meant to indicate. Um, so it's the stage of the business as opposed to saying mm -hmm. the, the round, the Series A, B, pre-seed, because I don't know what some of all of that means, and it seems to change. <laughs> it evolves uh, constantly. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but generally speaking, the company has launched a commercial product mm -hmm. um, and has some early customer partner revenue. Uh, enough to really indicate a uh, strong indication of product market fit. Mm -hmm, Haven't mm -hmm, figured mm -hmm. out, you know, or by no means perfected, you know, the model, pricing, further features and enhancements, um, and the sales and marketing, but have some really good ideas around that. And that's often what they need our money for. Mm. Um, so it's really about kind of early scale, scaling yeah. capital. They're probably a little bit you know, they're tweeners, they're a little baby, a bit too early for that, those big growth rounds and don't mm -hmm. want to necessarily take the dilution, they would maybe get the valuation they were hoping for, and maybe don't even need the, all that capital. You know, I think that's a very strong message we're sending companies these days, just because that capital's there. Uh, if you don't know what to do with it, you know, uh, it sets expectations, right? Um, completely, completely. Well, that, um, that's my big concern right now. I mean, you're seeing these huge rounds, but you're just wondering how much are you giving up for those huge rounds? Do you need the capital? And what happens with the next round when you can't, you know, do another 200, 300, 400% bump up? Because, yeah. you know, who who really gets hurt is the founders because they're going to, you know, lose their their shares faster than it or dilute faster than everyone else. Do you ever have that conversation with, with people saying, hey, 20 million is crazy. You just need two or something like that. Is that, is that, you know, part of the negotiation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we generally don't invest in kind of winner take all type um, opportunities. And there is, you know, some businesses that should go after that and they can go down to the Silicon Valley and, and make those pitches. And, and there's great VCs obviously that can fund those models. Um, but for the majority of companies, um, you know, they, we're having those conversations more and more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think they're getting less diluted because valuations, frankly, are astronomical across the board. Um, I do worry how, you know, that is going to end. But yeah. with that capital, you set expectations and that investor either needs to have, you know, 5x that number mm -hmm. um, or, you know, they're thinking a quick flip, you know, with public markets opening up and SPACs, you know, there's there's all sorts of new investors, new yeah. entrants into the market that have different ideas about your business. And while markets are good, um, uh, capital's flowing, this can all happen, but when it doesn't and it closes, uh, closes up, um, then things will change and it won't be good for the entrepreneur. They might be out of their roles mm -hmm, um, if mm -hmm. things don't go, you know, as planned. Um, and those other investors will make those decisions. Like they're they're not necessarily company builders, if you will. Um, and so you really need to think carefully about what the capital um, for your business, you know, what makes sense for your business and what a realistic exit for your business, you know, could be. And that might mm -hmm. change. You know, you might have very 
modest expectations for a couple of years, but then realize, you know, there's a whole new market that developed and then therefore you do need to raise capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that can change, but you do have to be, I think, really thoughtful about it. For sure. For sure. Well, do you ever, I mean, one thing that drives, I mean, I, I mentioned this a lot on the show, but one thing that drives me crazy when I'm down in the Valley is, you know, the question I always get is how much capital have you raised? And I'm like, none, we're a business, you know, like we, we, yeah. we do not need it. We do get, we do get, you know, offers of investment, but it's just like, eh, I kind of like steering the ship, you know, it's, it's not something we like, do you ever have that conversation with people where they're like, Hey, you know, we want the capital, but you look at, you know, you look at kind of the, the, the sheets and you're like, well, it's not going to scale so much. You're better off just continuing doing what you're doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, I've always done that. In fact, um, there's just a number of businesses where you don't see, um, the ability to scale. Like maybe it's a Mm -hmm. project based business. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's more services, uh, or even tech enabled services. Sometimes, uh, it's hard to see that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So for sure, you know, keep more of your business, right? I, I think not every startup um, in every sector needs external funding. Um, and, you know, and some bootstrap businesses have incredible discipline and have done very well. Um, mm-hmm. We have some of those in our portfolio. Um, and so uh, actually, um, a big part of a mandate is doing secondaries. So mm-hmm. we will... Um, look at um, buying out founders, you know, um, at the beginning of founders, um, there could be multiple founders, they don't always get along, Um, there might be different circumstances Mm -hmm. um, requiring them to exit, we'll buy out founders, Um, and so there's not necessarily capital infusion into the business, for example, or even tired early shareholders. Mm -hmm. Um, have Have you ever bought out a founder to realize you bought out the wrong founder? (laughs) <laughs> not yet <laughs> okay good <laughs> yeah yeah uh you know we had a, I think we had a near miss about a year and a half ago but uh mm-hmm. not yet yeah <laughs> oh, good 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 yeah. good good well you know you must obviously you're talking to a lot of founders and you know that the the, the the theme of of uh, afternoon tea is all about you know trying to expedite the, the the you know leverage our learnings so we can expedite the the next round of Canadian startups um do you have one piece of advice that you would give, um, you know, that, or maybe that you give often um, to to that uh, new the new founders that uh, that that our listener is coming from? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I would say um, even a couple of years ago, I would tell the Canadian founder to just think bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think they are now, which Very is fabulous. So, so mm-hmm. what I would say instead is think bigger in terms of their talent recruitment, aim high. You know, if you have a great opportunity, you can attract people from anywhere around the world and they can actually just stay put quite effectively wherever they're from. Um, And it's actually really important to scale that talent sooner than you think you need Mm -hmm. them because they'll help you get to that next level. Um, and, and, you know, don't be afraid to hire people smarter than you. Um, that's sort of, that's the easy whole... for me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, that's the Holy grail and we'll, we'll get you bigger, faster. Very, very cool. I agree. Hey, I want to ask an ethics question because here we go. This is probably not one that you were going to think I was going to hit at you. But so you're fun. You're looking at the scale up. We'll call it, we'll simplify by saying the scale up stages. But what if someone approaches you and they're in that really easy, you know, seed, maybe even pre seed sort of stages? Are you allowed personally to? 
take a position in them like uh, you know just do a hey, i'll just you know give your friends and family round or is or as as the you know the the leading partner of a venture fund do you have to stay within that fund yeah that's a good question um technically you know we are permitted to invest in you know seed companies or early stage companies I think the issue, um, the ethical issue will happen is when they, you know, are successful and move to the next stage and could be an investment in the fund mm -hmm. itself. Um, we have yet to encounter that, but when we do, um, we'll obviously have to set up sort of a separate governance structure around looking at making that investment um, and maybe even, you know, uh, potentially, you know, buying out our personal investment at that point. You know, I think mm -hmm. it's really, really important to keep these things clean yeah. and separate and aligned, which is actually why, you know, I'm an investor in the Pender Tech Inflection Fund. You know, the partners have to invest, and that's mm -hmm. an expectation of our investors that we sure. do that. Um, and so we would not, you know, be allowed, um, we don't invest in our existing portfolio companies, for example. Okay. Well, how many, how many LPs would you typically have in a fund? Well, so it depends. Um, you know, this was sort of our first fund, our first product, if you will. So we have um, about 40 um, because we have a lot of high net worth um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. individuals. Um, but, you know, a typical kind of $100 million fund, um, if the average size check is, you know, $5 million, um, it would be, you know, something, uh, you know, like 20 20 LPs, because it's generally more institutional type investors, yeah. uh, a small pension fund, a family office, and they'll write, you know, two, five, ten million dollar checks. Mm -hmm. So if I come in with my measly hundred thousand dollars, it's something that you probably would say, hey, maybe you should just do a personal fund or something like that then? No, Chris, not for you. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. It's very nice because I, I I was actually ta chatting with that with Boris uh, last week about that. Like yeah. what's what's yeah. kind of the minimum? But I realized maybe I'm like totally out of out, you know because i was talking six figures and i realized maybe i'm embarrassing him <laughs> you know i i actually don't know if that's because you know that would be something if that is uh too little um or if you know people are just being polite to me um but well, well, we'll no. that. i mean what is what, what what would be a minimum that you know you would you would look at or is or is that not really a thing you're looking more at the people that would be part of the uh, the fun the lps I would say that that is the latter is definitely more important. You know, there is certain people like our venture partners that I mentioned our advisors. Um, it was really important that they wrote a check um, because that makes them very aligned. Oh, yeah. um, the size of the check is really not, you know, uh, the issue per se or uh, as much of an issue. Um, skin in the game. Yeah, skin in the game. Frankly, you know, I'm pretty open to the individual. And this is why we're seeing different models, I think. And I think it'll be very interesting to see the disruptions in our business as venture capitalists, as opposed to that standard 10-year fund with high minimums, as you say, and you're locked in. I think we're going to see a lot of change in the next mm -hmm. five, 10 years, for sure. Um, it's more that the smaller checks are, it's, it's an administrative issue. To be mm -hmm. frank, you know, yeah. we call capital. If you gave us a hundred thousand all up front, it would be, you know, just way easier and a different, you know, a different uh, ball game. So, I think finding a way to make it easy is more the issue than the the, the check size. Uh, so all the legal and all that, I, I definitely, I definitely understand that. Um, we'll we'll tell you what, you have to have like one of those stars, one of those Canadian companies. You're just like, 
either I wish I was part of, or, you know, one of the founders are like, my gosh, I would, if, if he or she quit right now and did something else, I would back it blindly. Is there anyone that you would say, you know, that you look up and you just say, this person is someone that the world needs to, to, to be following if they aren't already? Yeah. Well, okay. So can I, can I do two? Please do. Okay. Well, so a founder um, that I'm sure everyone knows, um, founder CEO is uh, Tobias Lucky from Shopify, right? Like, yeah, there I, we go. I never had a chance to invest. Uh, I don't know him personally, um, but I admire everything about his story. I love that he was an immigrant. Um, I love how you know how this got started. How frankly, he was almost a reluctant CEO um, in so many ways, and how you know and. And the fact that he came from the technical side and just scaled up to be this tremendous CEO, it's like holy grail, right? (laughs) You know, we want to back founder CEOs, but the reality Mm -hmm. is most don't make that, you know, that, that kid don't cross that chasm. Yeah. Um, Don't scale that way, particularly, you know, technical CEOs um, have a real soft spot for and to see those type of CEOs scale and become great CEOs, because a very different skill set mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Um, just really, you know, heartwarming and, and wonderful. Um, and then so closer to home and, mm-hmm. and someone I've worked with um, uh, over the years is uh, Tafik Bubez, um, who... Um, he wasn't technically a founder of Layer 7, but he was sort of the technical visionary of Layer mm-hmm. 7. Um, and before that, he had a startup. And then after that, he did Metaphor, um, which sold to Splunk. And he was he was a, he is a technical visionary. Like years mm-hmm. before his time, he was responsible for a lot of the early standards of the internet, the wow. you know, XML standards and what have you back when I had to explain what exactly a web service was <laughs> in the early 2000s to my investment team. Um, but he, um, so he's a, he is a founder, a technical founder. He's been CEO. Um, what I love about him is that he, uh, sometimes with technical CEOs, uh, again, crossing that chasm to understanding the customer problem instead of just falling in love with just the technology mm-hmm. and falling in love with the problem and serving sure. customers. He really, you know, he does that so well um, and has so much patience in explaining technology to a non-technical investor. Um, I would back anything that he does brand new. That's wonderful. Wonderful to hear because I hear lots about Toby and I want to hear about new people. And you know what? That That's fantastic. I mean, I guess with uh, the level, so they sold to what, CA? I think it was CA. Uh, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, brought in a lot of jobs uh, here as, uh, yeah. you know, CA realized, hey, there's a lot of talent in Vancouver and expanded from that. Well, Maria, th- thank you so much for, for for joining us today. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, you taught me a lot about venture capital, which I there is a huge chasm. We're talking about leaping a chasm. I need to leap a huge chasm to really understand that industry. So, um, you know, please realize I may be pit- bugging you in the future for, for questions, um, but but thank you. You know, it was it was a real learning uh, lesson for me today. Well, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Fantastic, fantastic. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you liked this episode and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. 
Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.